You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Uh, Thank you all, first off, for showing up last week to help with the daycare. That was awesome. We're done. We're just waiting on state to show up sign off on things, and then we're rolling. This week in staff meeting, we were talking about opening plans and different things like that. So super, super exciting. And that I, I love those work days just because it's just an excuse to fellowship. We get stuff done, but we get to hang out with one another that doesn't get to happen as often uh, as, as we'd like it to because just we're all, we're all busy. And uh, families and kids and all that good stuff. So I, I had a ton of fun. So thank you all so much for that. And I know it meant a ton to Sarah and Melissa to just know that when they call, people answer. And all that work that they had this massive, they had two papers of uh, things that needed to be done. They're all done. And they all got done yet, uh, last week. So thank you all so much for that. Um, So anyways, this has been two weeks since our last lesson on deliverance ministry. Deliverance ministry, just in a nutshell, really quick. This is the ministry that allows us to go through this process of understanding who the Lord has called us to be, period. Every one of us is uniquely and wonderfully made. There's no argument there. Um, there, And this is easy to get our heads around. We we all have kids. I have three children. Not a one of them is the same. They are all incredibly unique, all incredibly different. Uh, Oftentimes, the only thing they share in common is their last name. Um, And that's the beautiful thing. And now imagine that in the kingdom of heaven. We are all pieces of the Father's heart that form this collective image of who He is. We're all uniquely and wonderfully made. We have unique identities, unique names, and we're made for fellowship and to be a part of this body. This finger and this finger are both called pointer fingers, but they operate in different ways capacities. They're different functions. I'm a lefty, so this one does a little bit more, but you know, I like to go hunting. I like to shoot guns, and this is my trigger boy right here, okay? So um, so they do different things, so we're a part of this body, and so within that, we understand two things. We understand, one, that we are unique in being a part of this body. I'm a unique member of this body, but the second thing is that I'm meant to be connected because that is where I find function and purpose. I cannot operate in the fullness of who God has called me to be apart from the body. If I cut this finger off and lay it on the floor, it has no function, it has no purpose. And the enemy knows this. So what does he do? He comes in a moment of vulnerability or turmoil, a difficult circumstance, and it doesn't have to be a negative one. But he will come when you are in a vulnerable moment, and oftentimes it's when you're a child, and he will come and he will whisper a lie. It's because you are this. This happened because of this. Right, we see this all the time in different instances. We see this, this is kind of a common thing, unfortunately, it's heartbreaking that this is a common thing. But when, when, we, when we see uh, kids go through family separations or adoptions or anything like that, the one kind of stereotypical thing that uh, that kid typically believes is that they are the cause. That, that was not instilled by a parent. That was, that was spoken in a moment of vulnerability by an enemy that wants them to be severed from the body of Christ. Because if I believe something false about who I am at my core, I am this, and it does not exist in the heart of God, it will prevent me from ever being connected to the body of Christ in the way that I'm meant to be connected. 
And what it will do is it is a root within my life and it will begin to produce fruit in my story that is not of God. Okay, and so, and we've, we've talked about this, modern, modern therapy, I can speak a little bit about this. My wife is a psychiatrist. She went to school for this. This is what she does um, and what she knows. And modern psychology and, or, and therapy, none of that is bad. I'm not dogging that at all. I think it's incredibly healthy and beneficial to teach people how to talk through things and work through things in a healthy and safe environment. But oftentimes, what it is, is just behavioral modification. And what that looks like is if there's an apple tree I, and I want it to start producing oranges and I go duct tape an orange to the branch. That will not change what that tree is because who that tree is and the fruit that it will produce is defined by the roots, what is unseen under the ground. Okay, and deliverance ministry is this process of going through and figuring out what is the root that is not of God that you've believed about yourself that is producing the fruit and then discovering who the Lord has called these people to be, who the Lord has called us to be. Um, and this is, in this ministry, deliverance ministry, this is found within the ministry of reconciliation, which 2 Corinthians 5 tells us we have been given from Jesus, who reconciled the world back to God himself. And now we've been given this ministry of reconciliation that, we, that God can make his appeal through us. Uh, and deliverance ministry is found within that, that we could know who the Lord has called us to be, who the Lord has called you to be, and then we could operate in perfect unity, understanding who each one of us is meant to be and what we're meant to step into and understanding purpose and destiny and identity. And so as we read in Genesis 1, 26 through 27, and this is where we were two weeks ago, the very foundation of this ministry, deliverance ministry, again, because it's all about identity, we have to know how we are made. I, I have to understand the very foundation. If I, want to, if I want to work on the plumbing in my house, I've got to know what kind of house I've got. Do I have a pier and beam house? Do I have a foundation house? Because that's going to change my approach, right? So we have to understand how we're made. So Genesis 1, 26 through 27, uh, I'm not going to read that, but we know this. It's, it simply says that we're made in His image and after His likeness, Okay. So within our design, we reflect the heart of God, the nature of God, and the Trinity. We reflect these things, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see it described specifically in passages like Hebrews 4, 12 through 13, and 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, uh, that it elaborates on the fact that we are designed to be three in one. Three aspects of who we are within one vessel. Um, and what we subscribe to in this house and as, as far as the specific names that we use, um, and these are interchangeable throughout different cultures, we have people that talk about the mind, body, and the soul, right? We have people that, uh, they, they name it different things, but there is a commonality with many different religions and people groups of understanding that the complexities of who we are in our design, there's three aspects of it. And what we subscribe to, the, the verbiage that we use is body, Soul and spirit. And we, the reason we use this is because we get this directly out of Hebrews 4 and 1 Thessalonians 5. It specifically says body, soul, and spirit. So that's what we use uh, here when we're talking about it. Uh, we believe that we are made up of, again, body, soul, and spirit. We know that as sin entered the picture, when it entered the picture in the garden, we became separated from God. Our spirit was separated from his spirit. 
But then you insert Jesus. He comes. He reunites us uh, with the Trinity so that we can live as spiritual beings. Again, this is important to understand. We are not earthly beings having a spiritual encounter. We are spiritual beings having an earthly encounter. This is an earthly experience, but we are not from here. We are not of this place. We are spiritual beings that were plucked out of the heart of God. Um, and that is the design. And two weeks ago, I began to take us visually through this design of body, soul, and spirit. So this is what we have right here. We, we have our body, our physical body. Uh, the example I use often is if I took this, this marker or a, or a ball and I threw it, your body is going to have a reaction. It's going to sense what's coming and it's going to react a certain way, right? Um, so like if I threw this at one of my boys, Liam is going to try to catch it. He's going to sense it and he's going to try to catch it. If I threw this at my wife, she's going to sense it. Wait a second. It's going to hit her and then she's going to dodge. All right. Okay. So, no, that's, I can only say that because she's not here. Yeah, but it is recorded. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll get in trouble later. Uh, so this is what the body does. The body senses and it reacts. And then we have a soul. Okay. This is where we find mind, will, and emotions. Three aspects. We all have a mind, we all have our own will, and we all have our own emotions. And these two things make up the flesh. When Scripture talks about the flesh, when it talks about it in Romans, when it talks about it in First and Second Corinthians, when it talks about it in James, uh, Hebrews, uh, throughout Scripture, when it talks about the flesh, this is what it's referring to. There is absolutely no difference except in the, des the physical design between this flesh and an animal's flesh. Animals have mind, wills, and emotions. They have bodies that can sense and react. Creation has this. To some extent, every aspect of creation that is a living entity has a flesh. It has a mind, it has a will, it has emotions. So what separates us is this right here. And this is why we are so incredibly unique when you look at all of creation. Everything that the Father has ever created Everything, including, including heavenly things and earthly things. We are the only one with this that gives us direct access to the Father. The only one that can commune directly. What does it say in, uh, oh, I just blanked it. I'm sorry. This is in the New Testament. I can assure you of this. I don't know why I just lost it. I think it's 1 Corinthians. But do you not know that your body is a temple for the presence of God? We literally are made to house the presence of God. What was once used uh, could only be housed within these mighty and glorious and magnificent structures with this thick and heavy veil that would, in this secret room that would house the presence of God. Now we because of Jesus, can do the very same thing. That's why the veil tore. There was no need for a room anymore. We had direct access to it. Okay, so this is the profound thing about uh, body, soul, and spirit. And within the spirit, how this works, we have, we, have a, we have a body that senses and reacts. We have a soul that thinks and feels, right? Because we have mind, will, and emotions. So we think here and we feel here. And then we have a spirit. And the spirit's design is to watch and listen to the spirit that we are connected to. Uh, it also says in 1 Corinthians 2 that who, who knows the heart of a man but the spirit that is in him? 
So too, who knows the heart of God, but the spirit of God within him. Okay, and so we get to watch and listen because we are directly linked to the Holy Spirit. When it says in John 16, when Jesus says, it is necessary that I go, it is to your advantage that I go because if I go, I can send to you the helper. And he will not speak of his own accord, but he will only speak what the Father gives him to say. And the things that Jesus says, the things that I cannot reveal to you now, he will. Okay, so we are directly linked to the Holy Spirit, which directly links us to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, because of the sacrifice of the Son, the Spirit. This is brought to life in salvation. Adam had this in the garden as God breathed life into him. The breath of life. We've got to understand that that was not just a physical breath, but this was a connection. Now, this, he was permanently filled and connected to the presence of God. It's not like given CPR. The, the creator of the universe breathed life into him and he was directly linked to him, connected to him. And it says this in Genesis 2-7 that it was... It, it was the connection to God. And the ability to look past self is what, is what the Spirit allowed us to do. Because Adam, you've got to understand, before the fall, Adam never looked at himself. What was the first thing that they noticed when they ate from the, knowledge, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? What's the first thing they noticed? Their physical appearance. So because of this and because of its life that was in Adam, he was outwardly focused, not inwardly centered. He was able to steward all that God had set him over. He was not self-centered, but sin enters the picture and we immediately begin to inwardly process and look at ourselves. Sin entered and severed our connection with God, and, but it is brought back to life. This is the hope of the story, and we're so grateful for this story. It's brought back to life in salvation because of the obedience to the cross of Jesus and his uh, defeating the grave through his resurrection. We are reconciled back to God, and we get to be restored to design. Something that uh, you, most of you know about me is that I am, I am not good with people just telling me to do something that I've never done before. I think it's one of the most infuriating things ever. Like, hey, just go over here and fix that thing. I'd, I'd, I'd love to do that, but I'm going to need more than that. I'm going to need to know how to do that. Um, and one of the things that drove me crazy, I grew up in church. I, I, was, I was saved when I was young, but I did not live my life for Jesus until well into my 20s. Um, and one of the things that was so infuriating for me that caused me to leave the church later in life was this reality that people would throw around terminology with absolutely no explanation of how to step into what they were saying. I hated it. You got to have faith. Okay, where do I get? Do I go to the dollar store? Where do I get it? How do I just have faith? Because I've been in plenty of moments where faith was necessary and I'm like, nope, still don't have it. Right? Or the other one that really drove me nuts for a long time was uh, when, when we would read Scripture. And it says to walk by the Spirit, to live life in the Spirit. Awesome. Uh, I'd love to do that. How do I do that? So I'm a big instruction guy. I like to know how to do something. Don't just tell me to do it without instruction. Give me the full picture. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about life in the spirit and what that looks like. What that looks like. We're going to tie in faith and abiding and obedience and revelation and how that fits 
within the design of who God has called us to be and the creation that we are. This is, this is true for everyone. This aspect is to be alive in everyone, just not everyone has salvation yet. But this is who we are meant to be. This is who everyone is right now. This is who everyone is meant to be at the very foundation of who they are. The specifics of who you are as an individual uh, come after this. But this understanding must be alive first. This, this revelation, this, this spirit, your spirit, salvation must be there first that you can step into the specifics of who God has called you to be. Um, so again, we hear a lot of things, Christian terminology that lacks explanation and teaching like walk in the spirit, have faith, uh, live obedient, receive revelation. I remember being told like, Hey, you just got to receive some revelation. From where? I'd love to receive it, but where do I? And you got to be obedient to God. Okay, great. But what does he want me to do? And I was taught that for a long time. And the one person when I was in high school, and this is what caused me to leave the church right before I went off to college, which was horrible timing. Um, You know, go out into the world and abandon your faith. That works out well. Um, and it didn't, but, uh, his name was David and he started talking to me about how, when I was asking these kind of questions, like, well, the Lord will speak to you. What? The Lord talks to us? Like, yeah, supposed to have a relationship with him. What kind of relationship would you have if it's only one-sided conversation? That makes a lot of sense. And he was fired. Yeah. The same people that are telling me to receive revelation and live obedient to God's word fired him when he started telling me about God's word. Okay, so I left the church. I, I, had, I didn't want anything to do with it because I still was like, okay, this is just this is hogwash. You guys are just saying stuff. That's what I thought the church was for a long time because there was no how. And so that's what we're going to get into tonight, the how of this. And all of these things are answered when you understand life in the spirit. All of these things make sense. How to have faith, grow faith, live obedient, receive revelation, walk in the Spirit. When we understand the design of life within the Spirit, this makes a ton of sense. So how? How do we step into these things? Um, Galatians 5.16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 1 John 2.6 says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And now, an obvious place, if you have questions, and so we'll obviously be there, but if you have questions about what life in the Spirit is to look like, thank God for Paul and what he did on the road to Damascus, because he wrote a passage in Romans, Romans 8, that is literally titled, Life in the Spirit. You want to start gaining understanding of life and the spirit and the victory and the testimony of it that is to be yours as well. Read Romans 8. We're going to read some of it this evening. We'll start in verse 1 of Romans 8. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. 
But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. This is an important thing to remember, too. I, I find that we oftentimes grow really frustrated with people and the things that they're doing, but we forget that scripture right there. If they have not stepped into the things of the Spirit, they will always step into the things that are hostile to God naturally. And we are not to condemn that. We're to show them what the Spirit is and that it is for them that they would step into it as well. You, that, that would be like me chewing out my kids because it's their first time playing basketball and they're not very good at shooting the basketball. Like, man, you're terrible. Yeah, that good start. Yeah, that, that's going to make them want to work harder at it, right? No, right? We have, to, we have to show them what we want them to step into. And condemnation has never done that. It has not ever been the way to get somebody to Jesus and to see Jesus. So those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And believers can be in the flesh. Keep that in mind as well. There are plenty of believers that do not know the Holy Spirit. Okay? Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead, but because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. So again, this question, how do we walk in the Spirit? Well, first, we must abide. This is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture, John 15. Uh, we're just going to read the first five verses of this as it talks about, this is the abiding passage, as it talks about this, uh, this abiding. Verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So the first thing we need to understand about walking in the spirit, living life in the spirit, there must be relationship, active relationship, individual personal relationship with Jesus. Coming to church and listening to me preach does not qualify as relationship with Jesus. That's not what it is. You have to spend personal time, have a specific and individual relationship with Jesus. You can't expect a marriage to blossom and, 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 and grow or any relationship for that matter if you do not spend time with that person, but in a group setting. Have you guys ever had that? You've had a really good friend. They, you've hung out with them a whole bunch, but you've only ever hung out with that person in a group setting. And then the first time you hang out with them one-on-one, -on -one, you're kind of like, this is awkward. I don't, I don't really know how to talk to you without a bunch of people around you. I've done that several times. And it's like, okay, so we really didn't have that deep of a relationship because all I knew how to do was interact with you through other people. 
not individually. And we cannot do this with God. There must be relationship. There must be knocking and there must be seeking. Knock and it will be open. Seek and you will find. We must knock. We must seek. If we do not get to know him, if we do not pursue relationship with him, all you are meant to step into and experience can never be realized. No one can lead you into something that you are not willing to step into yourself. I think it's thunder. I thought it was kids running around, but there's no kids above us. So that's an attic. If there are kids above us, we've got big problems. Big, big problems. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. That's the only scenario that makes sense. If I see two little legs just poke out of the ceiling, we'll know it's my kid. Okay. Uh, but if we do not pursue relationship with him, all that we are meant to step into and experience will never be realized. And now back to Romans 8, verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So when we abide, because we are meant to stay in his presence. So when we step into that, because that is purpose. Colossians, all things are made for him and through him. We are included in the all things. And within our purpose is to remain in him. And this new creation that we become, is you cannot be this new creation absent God. Because you can only become the new creation with the blood of Jesus and stepping into that and receiving it for yourself. So you cannot become the new creation that has put to death the deeds of the flesh and step into the life of the Spirit without relationship with Jesus. This has to happen. Active and constant relationship. So we remain in, which is what abide means, means to remain in. So we abide, we remain in because we are meant to stay in His presence. This new creation we become is meant to live in constant communion with God. But we cannot realize this and be transformed outside of him, only within him. You cannot have transformation. You cannot, again, become this new creation outside of relationship with God. That is not how it works. You have to have relationship, and it is within that relationship that transformation happens. What does he say? He is making us into his image. How can I be made into the image of something I am never around? It's impossible. It cannot happen. I can only reflect him when I'm with him. Right? There are things about my, my, my sons. I, I think every dad realizes this. Um, and it's, sometimes it's funny, and sometimes it's really not. But we realize the things that we want our sons to become that we are and the things we really don't want them to become that we carry and that we portray sometimes, right? There's always videos of dads watching games or something and they say something and that little kid repeats it and it's like, oh, I'm in so much trouble now, right? Because for what, whatever they were doing, loose with their tongue or whatever, but there are aspects of who we are that we want our sons to be like and then aspects of ourselves that we're like, I need to change that because I don't want him to be like this. That only happens when they are around you. Otherwise, it's just a guessing game. They're just guessing at what my dad is like. And they miss out on the reality of who God uh, has called their father to be. And they, they end up missing out on the example of Jesus, the first example of Jesus they're meant to have in their story. Uh, Romans 12, 2 
Shouldn't have closed this. Romans 12.2 says, I appeal to you, or no, sorry. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we know to walk in the spirit, the first thing that we must do, the absolutely first thing we must do is have relationship. I and mean, we must remain in that relationship, remain in the presence of God. Okay, and that happens here. So what that does, the, the visual example I show, I'm a visual person. I can, I can almost do anything if I'm shown how to do it. And so understanding how to live the life that God has called me to do, I've got to visually see it. Okay, so if we abide right here, this is what we're meant to do. Abide, to remain in, to remain in the presence of God. And in the abiding, when we remain in the presence of God, who do we begin to look like? We begin to look like him. God is making his appeal through us. 2 Corinthians 5. He's making his appeal through us. He is molding us into the image of his son. Again, because what was the design in the garden? In Genesis 1, 26-27, he made us in his image and after his likeness. And the, the restoration that comes through salvation and the reconciliation is to bring us back to original design that we would reflect his image and we would look, we would reflect his likeness, okay? So as we abide, we encounter transformation. We are transformed. I cannot look more like Jesus without Jesus. If I don't spend time with Jesus, I will never look like Jesus. But the more time I spend with him, the more I will take on his nature, his characteristics, and I will reflect his heart, not only for myself, but for the people around me. And what's the other thing that we know happens when we spend time and encounter his presence, when we spend time with God? What increases as we spend time with God? <coughs> Faith. What does it say? It says that there's not a one of us, one of us that chose him, but it was by a gift of faith that we could believe. <coughs> Excuse me. We did not have any capacity within ourselves to believe in God absent encounter. But in the moment of salvation, what everyone can trace their moment of salvation to is they had an encounter with God where things became clear. I recognized very quickly that I was a sinner in need of a savior and I encountered that savior. That happens because I encountered his presence and all of a sudden I had faith that he was who he says he was in these pages. Through encounter, faith grows. And so as I abide, as I remain in his presence and I'm being transformed, I'm encountering him, I'm walking in relationship with him, my faith increases. And this is the cycle that it's meant to have. This is the cycle that we're all meant to walk through. And not, a, not an ounce of this is to be difficult. That this, you don't have to be on your knees in, or, or lay out rice and, and kneel for four days until your knees are bloody to, to encounter the presence of God. This is not meant to be difficult. Otherwise, there would be no point of Jesus if this was meant to be difficult. Where in the garden... Before sin entered, did it sound difficult to have a relationship with God? When they were hiding in the bushes from him, what was he doing? He was walking in the garden, calling them out. 
So what does that imply? That before the fall, before sin entered the picture, they were casually within the presence of God on a regular basis. So much so that they would go for walks through the garden together. That's profound. That's profound. It's not meant to be difficult. Jesus didn't come to restore a difficult process, but a simple one. Especially when it's what you're made for. When was it ever difficult to plug in a toaster and toast bread? It's a very simple process. It only becomes difficult when you don't plug the toaster in. That's when it's hard, right? Uh, if I have a... My, my, my boys found this out. They had RC cars, little monster trucks, and decided to take them swimming. And those remote-controlled cars aren't made for that. And so it became real difficult for that to operate in its purpose because they didn't use it for what it was intended for. You are intended to be in the presence of God. You were made. That is your purpose. It's to live within the presence of God, and it's not meant to be difficult. Jesus came to make it easy that we would have a, a, a never-ceasing amount of access to God, that we could abide, and as we abide and remain in Him, we would be transformed and faith would increase. And we can see and hear God clearly when this happens. You can only see God, you can only clearly hear God when you're familiar with Him, right? I, so, so many people know this. I think this is one of the coolest social experiments I've ever seen. But they did a, uh, they did a study. They had a bunch of moms line up in a room. And their kids would come in blindfolded. And their, the task was to find their mother. And so they'd just go down the line. They'd, they'd touch their, the, the women's hands. They'd feel their face and their hair. And every kid found their mom. I, I mean, just profound. And the moms, I mean, I'm sitting there crying too, like just in my truck where no one could see me. But the moms just, um, are just, cr- I just crumble. As, their baby, as they realize the depth of relationship they have with their child. And it's because they spent time with them. How could I know what my wife's hair feels like, smells like, what her hands feel like in mine, if I don't spend time with her, right? It's the same with Jesus. And so when we spend time with him, I can watch and listen very easily because I know what his presence feel like, feels like. I know what him working looks like. I can look throughout this community. I can hear testimonies of people's stories and I can see where God's moving in their story even if they can't see it themselves. Not because I have some special gift, just because I've spent time with him and I can recognize him. And I know what his voice sounds like because I've heard him speaking to me. And so this is the beautiful thing when we abide and we're transformed and faith increases that watching and listening becomes incredibly easy. Incredibly easy. But unfortunately, what often happens when it comes to watching and listening, when there's an immaturity here, when we lack fellowship with God individually, like when, we, when our source of fellowship with God is corporate worship, corporate gatherings, what unfortunately ends up happening is we're really not good at watching. We're really not good at listening. We're not good at recognizing it. And so what ends up happening is God will speak. He speaks, he reveals something down to us, to our spirit. We're meant to watch and listen for it. But we don't, because we don't live here, because we don't have relationship individually with him, what ends up happening is this word of God that's meant to be processed here 
comes here and we start adding emotion and feelings to it. We start thinking about it and processing it inwardly within my own capacity of understanding. We begin to process God's word here and then it comes down here and we act in the flesh what was meant for the spirit. So many times I've seen people do this uh, and, and we do this all the time. I've, I've given this example uh, from the pulpit on Sundays when people, we pray, we pray to God, we ask him for something, we ask him for answers, we ask him for help with something and what is the first thing that we immediately do? We're not watching and listening. We immediately start thinking about the problem and how to work it out, what we feel about it, right? I don't know how many conversations I've had with people and they start the conversation, I feel like God. I'm like, stop. Stop. If your relationship with God is always going to start with, I feel like you're measuring it wrong and in the wrong place. I feel like he's far from me. Wrong. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Closer than your breath. How can he be far away? Because your, your breath is within every molecule of your being. When you breathe in, it's in every cell. Every fiber takes oxygen. And he's closer than that. But because of your feeling, because this is where you're measuring what's meant to be established here. So you're measuring your relationship with God down here. And this is where your relationship with God exists is your thinking and your feeling, your mind, will, and emotions. Instead of the spirit and interaction with the spirit where it's meant to exist, you have this manipulated and contorted image of God that is not accurate to his nature and his heart towards you. And then we begin to react to these things. There, there, are, there were so many examples of this during COVID, how many people reacted and did not seek God. This is, I, I'm so, so grateful for Sarah and Steve in that season because they did not react. They sought the Lord and they didn't react. They didn't, they didn't put a line in the sand and tell the government, hey, we're not abiding. We're not listening to you. We don't care. We're doing what we want to do. We don't believe in all this stuff. Because at the same time, there were people that were genuinely afraid of that season, even if some of us weren't. People were genuinely terrified and they wanted to feel like they were taking seriously their concerns. The worst thing we could have done as a church when they're asking churches to not meet was to meet. Unless it was in obedience. But God didn't say to meet. God told Sarah and Steve to establish an online. So we got a website. We got an independent streaming platform where we are not, we are not controlled by Facebook or YouTube like a lot of other churches are. We can do we can say whatever we want, we can play whatever we want, we can do whatever we want on it. And it's ours. We own the rights to all of these things. No one else does. Sarah and Steve did that because they didn't react. They watched and they listened. And now they've set something up that allows, we have people, we can see, we have people that listen to our sermons and our, and our services from all over the world. All over the world. We have had people from Ukraine listening it's wild all over the world. But we've had people that have been in this house that have gone all over the world. And because they watched and listened, now we are reaching a people beyond Sundown, Texas. Praise God. This is what happens when you don't live in the flesh, but your relationship with God exists in the spirit. 
the importance of receiving the Spirit. I'm just going to read a couple uh, different passages uh, from Ephesians. This is just testimony of what it is to live in the Spirit and what you're able to have access to. Does anybody have the time? Perfect. I'm crushing it. Good job, Parker. Ephesians 1, 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when, we, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Uh, chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that is that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God and then 5 chapter 5 verse 1 Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. All of this... Every, the passages that I just read, one, they're profound and miraculous and just beautiful prayers. But the way he ministered is only possible when he lives a life in the spirit because he sees more than what is physically possible to see. Because he's talking to a church, he's, he's not with them. And he's writing a letter to a church as and he's, he's speaking of things that the Lord revealed to him. He's ministering to a place far away and the Lord is telling him as if he's there on the ground witnessing it with his own eyes. And he's speaking to this church and he's encouraging this church and he's educating and teaching this, this house of believers because of life in the spirit. And this is what's possible for us. When we step into life in the spirit, walk with the spirit, what we see is far beyond what the world can see. It's far beyond what the world can see. This is the way that a Christian becomes bulletproof. I talk to people about this all the time. When they come in for counseling, they're talking about different conflicts and different 
stuff they have with people in their stories. And we go through this process and all of a sudden the next time they're attacked by this person or they've got a difficult circumstance with another person, they see as God sees and all of a sudden they're recognizing this has nothing to do with me. You believe this about yourself. And now all of a sudden in a moment where there used to be a reaction, there used to be anger, there used to be division, there used to be strife, now there's compassion and their heart breaks. I, I, I learned this lesson and I'm telling you it was one of the most profound and freeing lessons I've ever learned in my life because just I can't, I can't be mad at anybody for what they say or do to me. Just can't. Because I know it's nothing to do with me and my heart breaks that they're experiencing and living in what they're living in. Heartbreaking. Because the Lord paints a picture that the world cannot see in life in the Spirit. It is impossible to live a life of ministry unto the Lord if you do not operate in the Spirit. And it's so simple. Pursue relationship. Be transformed. Increase in faith. And you will watch and you will listen. Watching and listening is a byproduct of remaining. When I remain in the presence of God, I will naturally recognize God. Period. And then... It becomes really easy because what comes after this, as I, as I watch and as I listen, now the Holy Spirit has an opportunity to bring about revelation. He can reveal to me things that have not been revealed, that I've never seen, that I've never learned. Jesus says that he will be the only teacher you need. He will lead you into all truth. He will reveal these things to you. He will speak to you. And, and then all of a sudden now with revelation and different things like that, now obedience is very possible because I know how to watch. I know how to listen. I recognize his voice. And so now when he calls, my flesh can submit to my spirit and I can operate in obedience. And now all of a sudden I'm not processing things here, but my flesh is living out what I'm receiving here. Because what is our flesh meant to do? Submit to the Spirit of God, to the Spirit. Because we, again, we are not fleshly beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a fleshly experience. We are spiritual beings. How This is just a vessel. It's like an astronaut suit. That's all it is that houses who you truly are, which is spirit. Because you are of God and he is of spirit. Okay? And so we can step into all these things. And as we step into obedience, this beautiful cycle, the purpose that we're here is to bring glory to him. The God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, this cycle of revelation, obedience through abiding transformation and increase of faith, because I can watch and listen. Now, all of a sudden, this is really, really easy. It's second nature to be obedient to God. It's never anything that you question. You only get nervous about it when you're new in this, when you're learning this, when you're still learning what it is to be in relationship with Him and to know Him, when, when the relationship's still kind of new as far as depth. Um, that's the only time that this is a little bit kind of like, oh, did I really hear that right? Should I really be doing that? But after that, when this is matured, 
and you, you, you are constantly in relationship, constantly in conversation with God, obedience is second nature. And it changes the world around you. It's how we build the kingdom of heaven here on earth. It's through revelation and obedience. God reveals, we step in. God reveals, we step in. God reveals, we step in. Every single time. And with every step of obedience, we establish the kingdom of heaven as he would have it established. Not through our design, but through his. That it would reflect his image and not our own. That it would look like what he wants it to look like, not what we think he should think it should look like. Right? So this is the design of body, soul, and spirit. This is what it is to live life in the spirit. And once we understand this, then we can begin to dive into, okay, now how do we lead somebody through deliverance? And that's where we're going to start the next time we meet. Next week, we've got a fun little Valentine's Day family deal that we're going to do on Wednesday night. Melissa's idea, it's totally corny. I can't wait. It's going to be so fun. Uh, We'll announce that on Sunday. Uh, Really excited for that. So I'm sorry for the break again, but we'll get back into this in two weeks and we'll begin to talk and discuss what it is to walk through deliverance now that we understand the basis of identity. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.